What are the answers to life's most important questions? Actually, you can't avoid answering these questions because you already do. It happens simply by how you've chosen to structure your priorities, spend your money, and use your time. Tune in as we interview pastors and leaders throughout the valley discussing the must-answer questions. Welcome to The Form Show. Welcome to The Form Show. Mark Lucas here. Happy Monday to all of you. Five o'clock as you're driving home. What a joy it is to be able to come each and every week and to be able to have these conversations with you, these very authentic, very real conversations that we get to have. And I believe wholeheartedly these are the questions, the essential questions in life. So today, with a huge smile on my face, I get a look across the radio booth and see Mr. Dave Herman. Aren't you lucky? I'm very lucky. He's the former host of Faith in the Real World. And I said just this week, why don't we take some of the questions, some of the bigger questions that you discussed on that show, and let's tackle those questions right here on the Forum Show. And he said, let's do it. So here we are. We're embarking upon this new journey. Actually, I said I've got nothing else going on at that time. Yeah. That's why I, mean, I was available. <laughs> so he's got nothing going on, and <laughs> I am elated to have him right here in the booth. He's become a dear friend, has an amazing heart for the Lord, for his family, for his wife, and we get to do life and navigate life together. So, Dave, let's jump into these questions. These are great questions, and I just can't wait to be real and dial all these questions with you, brother. So... The first question, why does God allow bad things to happen to good people? Yeah, when we started the show, we, uh, Bobby Brewer and I, uh, found a lot of especially young people thought that Christian radio was by Christians for Christians. Right. And it was goody-goody, everything's great, everything's wonderful, and if you don't think that way, there's something wrong with you, or you're not a strong believer. And there is something wrong with me, just so you know. That is, that's why you had me on the show. That's why. But uh, what we found is people are struggling, uh, and we all know this, and they have real hard questions about life. And they, they want to follow God, and they want to love God, and they, they want to walk with God. But uh, there's bad things that go on in this world, and they found a lot of these topics weren't being addressed. So, yeah, the first one, um, the, very, the number one UNO question that we got more than any other was why does God allow bad things to happen to good people? And a lot of the emails we would get would be from people who were actually going through a terrible thing. Or they would say something like, my sister who never did anything wrong to anyone got cancer and died. Right. And But then they see uh, very ungodly people living long, abundant lives and driving by in Maseratis. And it would really make them upset. So um, I'll let you... Start yeah. to tackle it. You know what I mean? Just kind of tee up what you just said. That's kind of the reality of all of our lives is we've either personally on some level, we've all experienced bad things. And just even this week, I was listening to a sermon, the book of Job. I mean, you think these countless moments that we have, even in God's word, where just really horrific things have happened in the world to great people. The question really hinges on this is that it's not really even a fair question, why does God allow bad things to happen to good people? Here it is, Dave. The question really is this. Why does God allow bad things to happen to bad people? Because at the end of the day, you and I both, we are, as Romans 3.23 is very clear, we have all sinned. Yes, Dave, you were a sinner. Yes, Mark, I am a sinner. We've all committed sin. We've all done things 
that have separated us from the love of God, that has separated us or we've turned our back on really facing this beautiful relationship with God. And that's what sin does. It separates us from God. So all of us, when we look at our hands, we all have sin on our hands. And that all started in the garden. So the reality is the question really isn't even positioned properly. Why does God allow bad things to happen to good people? Because nobody really is good. So I think I'll really kind of just start there and maybe you chime in, but nobody really is good. Even Mother Teresa, even these great people, Billy Graham, Hall of Faith type people, the reality is they've still made mistakes. I mean, I love as a pastor as I was for 15 years, I'd be like, okay, so just to kind of clear the air, if you think you haven't sinned, just tell me who in this room has never lied. Raise your hand if you've never lied. Did you ever get any hands raised? Yeah. Oh, gosh. I know, well, that right? was the lie right there. I know. So, I mean, <laughs> there it is. So I think we have to start with that. It's an understanding that in this question, I had a good conversation on the way in with a millennial friend of mine, great guy, Brandon, and in this conversation, he said, Mark, I get this question asked to me all the time on social media and Instagram and all these different platforms. The reality is, is that none of us are good. So I think we have to recognize that first. Yeah, we actually asked uh, Lee Strobel. We, he, he did the show one time, and we asked Lee Strobel this question. And what he said has stuck with me for 15 years. And he said, imagine if you knew Jesus, okay? You were personal friends with Jesus, okay? And you saw Jesus heal people. You saw people, you saw Jesus love people. You saw his kindness, his graciousness, especially to children. Then you saw what happened to Jesus, being beaten, crown of thorns, spit on, okay? you would say to God, you got to be kidding me. This guy didn't do anything wrong, right. okay? And this is happening to him. That is the most unfair thing in the world. But there was a larger plan in place there. Mm-hmm. So could there be a larger plan in place for our lives? And he gave an analogy of a quilt, okay? If you look at the backside of a quilt, it's a mess, strings everywhere. It, it, it just looks like a horrible mess. And you would think, why would anyone want to own this or have anything to do with this? Why would anyone make this? This is a horrible mess. Yeah. But if you turn it around, there was a reason for every one of those strings. So it has provided me comfort since we asked him that question, because I never thought about it that way, because some bad things have happened to me, just like have happened to you. But if I can know, A, that he's with me, he loves me, mm-hmm. okay? It's not, I'm on my own. He's very aware of the suffering I'm going through. He watched his own son suffer, much worse than any suffering that I'm going through. And B, there is a plan in place there. Right. That's um, tremendously comforting to me. And that's one problem that I would have with atheism. I don't know what an atheist would say to someone who's dying of cancer. Well, sorry, the cards didn't go your way. Right. That's a horrible thought to me. And where's the hope? That's what I mean. I know. It's gone. Sorry. Yeah. The the deck broke well for me, but not for you. Right. Sorry. Sucks to be you. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll come visit you tomorrow. That is just horrid. It really is. And I love that visual, and I've heard that before, and it's such a beautiful visual. And the reality is, in that back visual of that tapestry, it is a mess. And I love, and even over at a church that you and I both attended, they had a whole series that was... God turns our mess into a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. And there's this beautiful, beautiful process that God is turning 
our mess into a masterpiece. And I'm always reminded, there's another passage here in 1 John chapter 5, verse 19. I've got it in front of me. I don't have this all memorized. I'm not the Bible thumper man of the world. You're not the Bible answer man. (laughs) I'm not the Bible answer man. He's a fantastic man, and he loves Jesus. But 1 John 5.19 says this, We know, okay, we know as followers of Christ, we know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. So the reality is we've got to take comfort in knowing another passage that he that is in you, Dave, he that is in me is so much greater than he that is in the world. But there is this ruler of the world right now that we live in here in 2019. There's a ruler of this world, and that is this fallen angel that we would recognize as Satan. Okay? And we know as children of God that the whole world is under the control of this evil one, those that specifically aren't walking in a personal relationship with Jesus. There is this control that the evil one has over those individuals. And we see it played out all the time in media and news and social media and just the depravity of the world, right? So when you were a pastor, though, I'm going to put you on the spot. Okay, I always it. like to do this. I love it. Um, when you were a pastor and working in ministry— Let's say you were talking to someone that said, thank you for those kind words, Mark, but my child died. Yeah, I mean, you just brought it back to this place. Nobody can be able to identify more than the Father, God the Father can, losing a son the way he lost his son, and being able to know that there is a God of comfort, there is a God of empathy— that no matter what you go through, I, I can't relate because probably in that moment, I haven't gone through what she's experienced or he's experienced, but I can point them back to a God of comfort that truly empathizes because he's gone through it with his perfect son, a place of crucifixion, a place of torment, a place of suffering, a beating like nobody will ever experience beating ever again. So I can point them back to a place of knowing this is that Jesus said this to his disciples, and I love these words. It is better for you that I leave. And I'm thinking to myself, if I'm a disciple and I've been with you three years, wait, 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 time out, Jesus. I Wait, no. where are you going? No, I don't want you to leave. I don't want you to leave. Come back here. We're going to break bread, have some fish, and yeah, talk about this. And you'll this, take care of us. And you'll take care of us. But he says, no, it's better for you, Dave, that I leave because I will send my Holy Spirit who is known as the comforter to be with you. And what that teaches me is this, and this is what I would share to anybody, myself included, as we walk through hurt and pain, is that Jesus knew that we would need to be comforted, so he sent a comforter. And that's exactly what I would say, is that no matter what we go through in my life, in your life, in all this beautiful listening audience here on Faith Talk 1360 with Mr. Dave Herman, as we talk through this question of why does God allow bad things to happen to good people, in these moments of question marks and doubts and not seeing the clear tapestry of what God is doing, we have to know, please hear me, we've got to know that the Holy Spirit lives inside of you as a follower of Jesus. That Holy Spirit is inside of you to comfort you. That's what I would say. Okay. So uh, can I tell you some more? Questions yeah. we got? Okay. Yeah, let's keep rolling, brother. I'd uh, love to get your take on this. Uh, many questions um, we got were uh, from things that people had seen in the media 
or beliefs about Christianity, uh, people that weren't Christians, uh, didn't really understand a relationship with Jesus. And so I wanted to ask you, because we got so many different ones, what do you think some of the biggest lies are that the media or the world tells about Christianity? It's a great question, and I think for us as followers of Jesus and those that are listening, no matter where you are right now, whether you have a personal relationship with Jesus, God has you here for a specific reason, and I am just so thankful that you're here with us today on Faith Talk 1360. I, myself, Mark Lucas, with Dave Herman. This question around what are the biggest lies the media and the world tells us about Christianity, I think one that I want to maybe start this conversation off with, Dave, is this. God, you know what? I'm, I'm a married man. They kind of justify the world's perception of divorce, and they really start believing that, you know what? Irre- irreconcilable differences, or I'm just not happy. God wants me to be happy. We, we tried. It didn't work. We, we tried. God, we gave it a great shot. Uh, I meet people all the time in the church. They have groups now for divorced people. It must be okay to get divorced. Um, I'm just going to get divorced, God, because you you know my heart. You know I need to be happy. You know we've given it a great shot. We've gone to counseling twice. We've seen a few people. We've worked on it for a few years, and we're just going to, you know what? We're going to get divorced. And this I isn't what I it. thought it would be, you know? Right. Yeah, we're, we're, we're both unhappy, and I didn't know that she would have that health issue, and I didn't know that she would be grumpy at these times, and I didn't know she'd put on that weight, and I didn't know that she would say what she said to my mother that time. And <laughs> right. no, But seriously, and this isn't what I thought would happen, so I should just pull the ripcord because it's not what I thought. Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, we've got to come to the heart that God does desire for us to be happy. And the reality is this word happy really comes from the word blessed. And if you think about the word blessed all throughout the Greek, blessed really equals a synonym of happiness. However, happiness is not based on just these ethereal emotions that we're kind of elusively chasing throughout our days. God wants us to be happy based on things of Scripture, based on things of truth. And the reality is, is that So many of us, we make these vows at the altar, and these vows are really more like maybes than vows. An example like, I'll care for you, you know what, for the most part, unless you gain weight and you're in sweatpants with food on your shirt like you have now, Dave. Thank you for bringing that up. And the reality is is that, you know what, you've gained weight, and it's really hard for, for me to to be attracted to you now because you're just not... Ingr- I mean, all these different reasons, all these different things kind of play out into our head, and we cart- we kind of put them in this carte blanche of, for the most part, I'll honor you when I feel like it, for the most part. I'll honor you um, and love you if I feel like it. And love is not based on just feelings, right? It's based on more. Yeah, what we found, uh, a a great answer that a pastor gave on the show is everybody gets married and they have all these visions of how it's going to be. But then you go through what uh, he called the talking heads stage of the marriage, which is the talking heads used to have that song, um, Once in a Lifetime. This is not my beautiful house. This is not my beautiful wife. And so the, the marriages that often die on the vine die in that stage because what's happening is the reality of the marriage is not how they envision the marriage to be. And they put all the, this weight on 
their partner. They put all these attributes on the partner, things that they should be relying on God for, okay? But they put them on the partner, and then the partner, because they're a broken vessel, disappointed them, as you've done, as I've done, okay, as every broken vessel is going to do. So they're in the, well, this is not meeting my vision, so they jump. But the ones that can get through that and love the person for exactly who they are, not what they think their vision of their wife or husband should be, those marriages tend to make it. It's so well said. And I think for me, it's a daily reminder. I'm not going to give you my entire password because we work together and I'm afraid you might go in and steal documents. Yeah. But I've even got my password to log into my computer here at Faith Talk 1360. And the password says this. I won't give it all, but it says, I love Tammy one flesh. And then there's some things beyond it. So you don't go in and just hack yeah. into my computer. Yeah. Isn't but, it like Dave is the best or Dave is smarter than me or something like Dave that? Dave is the best minus the food on his shirt. Dave's better looking than me. Something like that. Exclamation point, okay. exclamation point. But right. the clear point is this, Dave. It's the Tammy and Mark love one flesh. Mm-hmm. I think, personally from Scripture, is that Satan's number one tactic, especially for those that are walking in ministry, especially for those that are striving to put Christ at the center of their marriage, is that he wants to divide us. Mm-hmm. The reality is is that John 10.10 says this, the thief, Satan, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come, Jesus has come, that they may have life and have it to the full. So every single day there are things that Satan is doing and this demonic influence in the world that are trying to pull me away from the oneness, the partnership in my marriage with Tammy. There's a myriad of things. So I need to be intentional and say, God, Throughout my day, give me reminders. God, throughout my day, let my prayers be, help me be more mindful to connect with her as one, to connect with her and love her and serve her as one. And that's the true desire that I have and we have in marriage, to be one flesh. Yeah, uh, we talked to a Christian counselor one time, and he said uh, they go into his office and they start pointing fingers. And it's, you did this. And the other one says, but then you did that. And then, well, we have this problem because of you. And then the other one says, well, your problem is, and he said, healthy marriages are, there's Mark. There's not Mark. And then there's Tammy. There's Mark and Tammy. Now, problems are going to come into Mark and Tammy's life. Okay. But instead of that's Mark's problem or Tammy's problem, we're together. Okay, the problem's over here, and we're going to work together to deal with it. Now, the problem may originate from Mark or originate from Tammy, but they're one flesh. Yeah. So it's not just Mark's problem. It's Mark. Everything is Mark and Tammy's problem, and we're going to get, work together to attack that problem as one. But no matter what comes up, it doesn't separate us. We're together. Absolutely. So I don't care what comes into life. We're one flesh. Oh, that is a big problem. That's a financial problem over there. We might lose our house. Okay. Mark and Tammy are going to deal with that. But the pointing fingers... It destroys the oneness. It really does. And that's so well said on every level. And I think that's the right perspective, obviously, that God's given us in our marriage. And we've got to come to that place each and every day. I've talked about this before, Dave, and I'm curious from your vantage point, what are some things when you leave here to really kind of reset yourself, re-energize yourself as you're driving home? We've talked We have the privilege here to do a Bible study together on Fridays, and we've talked about the most important part of our day, 
I just sent an email, actually it's going to go out on Monday, to pastors saying, pastors, I'm praying for you, I'm praying for your marriages, and I want you to know the most important part of your day starts when you get home at night and you walk in that door and you greet your wife and you greet your family and you know that that is the most important part of your day because our number one ministry is our marriage. Our number one ministry is how are we loving and serving our wives. So when you leave here and you're exhausted and you've had a really rough day and you're just like walking on eggshells with people and it's just been toxic maybe on some level with individuals. Having to deal with you. Having to deal with me and my nonsense. (laughs) All of this frustrates you. At the end of the day, what are some kind of best practice principles that you do to really reset yourself and say, God, in this oneness of marriage— I don't want to believe the lies of the world. I want to have your eyes and your heart and your service hands to be able to love my wife well when I walk home. Well, these things uh, I don't do because I inherently knew to do them uh, or I inherently was a good husband. I had two things working against me in this area. Number one, I came from the belief system of, I okay, I go out in the world, I make the money, I'm the breadwinner, okay, and I give everything I can at work. All right. And then I come home and the football game's on and there's beer in the fridge and that's my downtime. But I would say, but Kim, I, especially when I started uh, in sales, I would say, but Kim, I sold this and this and this, and I'm the number one seller on the board. I kick butt for you today for us. That's how I give to you. And she's, and she's thinking, yeah, that's great. And I'm, I'm glad we have that money, but uh, you're not even here. You're just a zoning into a football game with a beer. And the second thing, bad trouble area that I had was I'm an inherent introvert. So I have to go out in the world. I have to have conversations with people, but that's not my nature. So when I come home, I want to go in the bedroom and be left alone. Okay. So that's not grounds for a strong marriage. So what I have found um, is for me, uh, I grew up with a faith of very ritualistic prayers, saying the same prayers over and over again, three Hail Marys for our fathers, that did nothing for me, and that just gave me to the law. I find simple prayers talking to my papa, because he's my papa. Mm. And the best prayer I've ever prayed in my life is, Papa, I can't do this, but you can. Mm. I have a friend who's 29 years sober, and he would go to a place called Lee's Restaurant where we grew up. And Lee's opened at 6 a.m. And he would drink from 6 a.m. until they threw him out every day. And he tried everything. He went to rehab. He went to detox. He went to everything. And then when he got saved, he said he did the first two steps in AA. And it was, God, I can't do this. On my own, I'm not going to stop drinking. But with you, I can. And God removed it from him. And he could be in a beer hall with 80 people drinking. He had no desire to drink. And he hasn't drank in 29 years. So I don't have a set ritual, but I do know on the way home to say, Papa, I'm angry. I'm mad. I'm frustrated. Okay. I'm already worried about tomorrow, tomorrow morning's meeting that I don't want to go to. We're behind budget. I haven't made a sale in a while. I'm upset with this guy. He canceled. But, Papa, I want to be there for Kim and Madison. That's all I know to do. I mean, do you? what do you say? How do you do it? I love that prayer. Papa, I can't do this on my own. And I think that's such a beautiful prayer on so many levels. And it's this reminder that God is our Abba Father. And I love that, Dave. I really do love that. 
I think for me, I've got to get to a place what's worked for me when I do this well, because I'm the first one to tell you, Dave, that I don't, there's many days I don't do this well. I need a time to really re-energize my soul, re-energize my spirit. So for me, it's finding I've got a playlist that I've created, and the playlist is called this on Spotify. God first loves me. So I go to that playlist, and I truly just shut off any distraction from the world, any reminder notification on my phone, and I just truly worship God. And in that time, I say, God, will you truly help me be refreshed and refueled up to be able to be the man you want me to be, to love my wife well, to serve my wife well, and to truly show her your love in a powerful way. The other thing that's really helped me is this. Every single morning and at night in my bedroom, I have 1 Corinthians 13, the love passage, in this really cool wood frame. And I ask God every time I look at it, God, this morning I looked at it, and the word that jumped off the Etsy frame was this, patience. Love is patient. So I said, God, today, help me be more patient towards my bride, Tammy. Dave, thank you so much for being my guest today on The Forum Show. Thank you for having me. We're going to do this again, I know. Thank you so much for tuning in to Faith Talk 1360 right here at 5 o'clock on a Monday. Have a fantastic day. We'll talk to you soon.